and uh, I will add my welcome to that of Jordan and Nina and Sarah. Welcome to the evening service. Um, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And I hope that you have all been blessing your mothers and being nice to your mothers um, and mother figures. So, yeah. Uh, here, we often say, you know, if it wasn't for such and such a person, I wouldn't be here today. But about mothers, you know, that's extremely true. <laughs> like, there are few people of whom it is more true than your mother. So, I can stand up here and say, Mom, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here today. Thank you very much. Uh, and yes, my parents are here, which is also exciting. So if you, if you haven't met them, Jenny and Grant, uh, you can go make their lives difficult afterwards before they run away. Um, yeah. And there will be cookies after the service. Um, there is even vegan shortbread, thanks to Davida. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so join us for a a dubious cookie or a great piece of shortbread after the service. Um, I may have mixed up the recipes halfway through. So the <laughs> but I mean, they're, they're cookies, so they taste fine. There's sugar and there's flour and there's butter. So, you know. Anyway, uh, mothers first. So all you youngsters don't eat all the cookies before the mothers get at least five. Um, but yeah. And a little sweet cheese for the, for the moms. Okay. We'll, we'll organize things for mothers. Okay, Mothers, you have a gift. Don't leave without getting a gift if you're a mother or a mother figure. Cool. So, what I'm going to talk about this evening is basically a story of one of Paul's co-workers. Um, and so we're going to go through the story and see how it inspires us and what we can learn from it. Um, and where that takes us. And this is the story of Priscilla, always paired with her husband Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila, as you will have seen in Acts, or Romans and Corinthians and Timothy. But these are the, the people, and particularly Priscilla, who we will be focusing on this evening. And fittingly enough, I started my Mother's Day preparation by asking my mother about uh, the topic. But admittedly, I have a, a bit of an advantage here because not everyone's mother has a PhD in Bible studies. So, uh, you know, you win some. So if any of you are under the misguided impression that I was the smart one in the family, you should re re meet the rest of my family. Uh, it gets worse. Um, <laughs> anyway, so go make your life difficult. Yes, ask her hard questions before she runs away. Um, no, I'm joking, but you want to. So I went to get a Bible but there's sometimes a Bible floating around here somewhere. There might not be. Oh, there's a Bible, but I think it's holding up the piano stand. Maybe let's not use that one. Uh, it's fine, we have technology. So let's turn to Acts chapter 18. And this is where our story begins. Acts chapter 18. So Paul has been doing his mission work, been traveling around as he was wont to do, and then he comes to Corinth. So after this, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. There, he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, 
because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to depart from Rome. Paul approached them, and because he worked the same trade, he stayed with them and worked with them, for they were tent makers like him. He addressed both Jews and Greeks in the synagogue every Sabbath, attempting to persuade them. Now, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul became wholly absorbed with proclaiming the word, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. When they opposed him and reviled him, he protested by shaking out his clothes and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am guiltless. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went to the house of a person named Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the president of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians heard about it, believed, and were baptized. The Lord said to Paul by a vision in the night, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not be silent, because I am with you, and no one will assault you to harm you, because I have many people in this city. So he stayed there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And then it continues with Paul being... Actually, let's read it. Now, when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews attacked Paul together and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuading people to worship God in a way contrary to the law. But just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of some crime or serious piece of villainy, I would have been justified in accepting the complaint of you Jews. But since it concerns points of disagreement about words and names in your own law, settle it yourselves. I will not be a judge of these things. Then he had them forced away from the judgment seat. So they all seized Sosthenes, the president of the synagogue, and began to beat him in front of the judgment seat. Yet none of these things were of any concern to Gallio. Paul, after staying many more days in Corinth, said farewell to the brothers and sailed away to Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. He had his hair cut off at Sancria because he had made a vow. When they reached Ephesus, Paul left Priscilla and Aquila behind there, but he himself went into the synagogue and addressed the Jews. When they asked him to stay longer, he would not consent, but said farewell to them and added, I will come back to you again, if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus, and when he arrived at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church at Jerusalem, and then went down to Antioch. After he spent some time there, Paul left and went through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, arrived in Ephesus. He was an elegant speaker, well-versed in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and with great enthusiasm he spoke and taught accurately the facts about Jesus, although he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak out fearlessly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When Apollos wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he assisted greatly those who had believed by grace, for he refuted the Jews vigorously in public debate demonstrating from the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Now, that's a chunk of scripture, and I'm not going like, to dissect it, but the point is to get the story, right? So today we're not focusing on a particular few verses and pulling out the meaning, which is a good thing to do as well. But today we're looking at the bigger picture moving more quickly to see, well, what does this tell us about Priscilla and Aquila? And Let's start with pulling together these threads. Because even from this one chapter, where Priscilla and Aquila are introduced as the family that Paul came and met and started staying with, so we meet them as effectively refugees from Rome. And 
we know all about refugees, and we have constant crises in our world today of refugees. And so this is something that's not new, not new to our world. Um, but in 49 AD, Claudius said, be gone, and they were evicted. So goodbye to Rome, and they went to Corinth. And here we learn that they worked as tent makers or leather workers, which was, of course, Paul's trade as well. And so this became a natural fit for Paul. And so then he came along and he stayed with them. We don't know anything more about Priscilla and Aquila's family. There may have just been the two of them. They may have had children. They may not have had children. It's not mentioned. So that much we do not know. But we know they were husband and wife. And we also know that they were believers before Paul came. So clearly they had been involved in some kind of ministry in Rome, and they had come to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior before coming to Corinth. And so Paul stayed with them, met them as believers, and stayed with them for around a year and a half. And this would have been definitely an opportunity for lots of discipleship and learning. And I mean, I can't imagine Paul staying in the house for a year and a half without a lot of interesting conversations happening. Um, I mean, yeah, this is no way, right? Like, they would have been working together, they would have been ministering together, they would have been worshipping together. Um, and so they were working closely with Paul. And Paul being the apostle we know the most about, uh, this gives us a bit of insight into how they would have been missioning, how they would have been working. So this is where we meet them the first time in Corinth. And we know from... Uh, later mentions of them from Paul that they were involved in leadership and in hosting churches. So when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, um, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church meet, that meets at their house. So this was after they'd moved to Ephesus. Um, but we know that this was their status. They were church leaders in the sort of local sense and in the larger sense of being in ministry with Paul. And we also know that they then traveled with Paul, they went to Ephesus, and so they were clearly sufficiently invested that they were willing to travel with Paul uh, on this mission journey, and so they did that. And they went to Ephesus and stayed there for a while. And even when Paul pushed off to continue his journey to, through Caesarea and so on, they stayed there in Ephesus. And famously, <laughs> they took Apollos aside and said, you're right, but you could be more right. Um, and explained, you know, I love, you know, explained the way of God to her more accurately or more adequately, depending on your translation. And that's, I don't know, it's just a lovely, like, it feels euphemistic, but like very gentle way of saying they corrected him. Um, but this simple taking aside also tells us quite a lot about their role and their activities in society. And so Priscilla would have been involved in teaching Apollos and discipling Apollos and presumably discipling many other people in that community. And what's unusual in this sort of power couple mentioning is that four out of the six times they mentioned Priscilla's name is mentioned first. It's Priscilla and Aquila rather than the typical husband and wife. Aquila and Priscilla. So it's quite clear that 
in Luke's mind, as he was writing this account of what happened, Priscilla was important. Um, it's not that she was mentioned as an after effect, but she may well have been the primary teacher in the relationship. Um, and so, again, we're learning more and more about you know, these fragments from here and there and everywhere, what Priscilla's mission in life might have looked like. And we also have this mention in Romans 16, verse 3, where Paul says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. These are pretty strong words of uh, affirmation from Paul. Like, if Paul reckons that you're one of the, the good ones, um, and, you know, they risk their lives for me, must have been pretty good people. Um, it must have been something special to them in their, their service of Jesus. And we also know some of the scrapes that Paul got himself into in Corinth and in Ephesus. You know, nothing like a good riot. Um, and, and so we can readily believe that uh, Priscilla and Aquila had plenty of opportunity to risk their lives uh, for Paul. And also this, uh, this vision that Paul has. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not be silent, because I am with you, and no one assault will assault you to harm you, because I have many people in this city. Many people, including, indeed, Priscilla and Aquila. And so it's interesting to put these things together and start realizing how involved they must have been. And they're important enough, again, to be mentioned as, Paul, you know, as Paul's companions, and not that many people mentioned as Paul's companions. So it's just to sort of this idea of, of, of where they were going. And then also, since they are now mentioned in this message letter to the Romans, it seems reasonable that they must have moved back to Rome. Um, if you know, Paul was greeting people in a letter to the Romans, it seems very likely that they were in Rome. And so since this letter is probably written between 56 and 58 AD, depending on um, which scholar you believe, well, no, which scholar you believe doesn't change when it was written, when you think it was written, Changes dependent on who you believe. Anyway, it was written around then, which is a few years later, so around seven years uh, after Paul first met them. And so it seems that they had finished their mission in Ephesus, and now that Claudius's edict had been rescinded and they were allowed back to Rome, they had gone back to Rome, probably to continue their ministries there, that they must have left in a hurry when they were evicted uh, in 49 AD and sent to Corinth. So yeah, I was thinking about this and thought they probably had ministries, existing ministries in Rome, uh, which they wanted to return to as soon as they could. And we don't know how their story ends. Uh, we don't know many practical details, right? We sort of sketched out this picture based on the evidence we have, which is often Paul-centered evidence. But we have a surprising amount of information about Priscilla. Because when I, when I first thought about this, this topic um, and, and Priscilla, I was like, this was the idea that came to mind, like Priscilla's story. And I was curious how much we could actually know about Priscilla as a, so a secondary character in the Bible. We know a fair amount about you know, Jesus, the disciples, some about the disciples, and about Paul. But then once you put, down, put together all these mentions uh, in Acts and in the letters, we actually can say, okay, Priscilla was a leader and a teacher in the church, um, 
and she was very involved in Paul's ministry and also in her own local church community. And there's quite a lot that we can take away from that. I don't want to go into too many details. Like That's just the story of an inspirational missionary in the Bible. And we can take away a fair amount just from reading the story. And I think that's kind of what I want to take away from this, is the idea of reading the Bible, seeing the stories of these people in the early church, men and women, and realizing how much they cared, how much they gave. In all likelihood, Priscilla and Aquila would have been martyred. Um, some people believe together. They may not have. We do not know. But it has been suggested uh, by scholars that they were martyred together. Um, and reflecting on the story of Priscilla gives us quite a lot to learn about. Again, the fact that she was mentioned first suggests that she was possibly more prominent as a teacher or a leader than her husband. There's also some people wondering if she wrote the letter to the Hebrews, um, which would be a reason for it being authorless, because in those days it could have caused no ends of problems to have a female written letter, both in terms of getting it distributed and people reading it. Um, so that's, a, that's an interesting suggestion. We don't know whether or not Priscilla was a mother. It's not mentioned. But we can be very sure that she was a mother figure because she was so involved in the church, because she had people meeting at her house. She had a whole bunch of discipleship opportunity and doubtless teaching and discipleship opportunities that were taken up. She explained the gospel. You know, she was involved in discipleship, in worship. And it's also interesting, this Priscilla and Aquila always mentioned as a couple. And I think this is probably quite an interesting point in terms of like an example of mission as a couple, mission as a team rather than just one. Um, and I think that's something which is, well, certainly I've seen it in my life, obviously, my mother being a minister and my father being dragged around the country after her. Um, but this is how teams work and this is how mission works. Um, and motherhood and fatherhood go together. And so I wrote down like a short list of, of just general things that I, as a Christian, take away from Priscilla's story. Things that I am inspired by and I see her as an example for. And one is hospitality and discipleship, having people in her home, discipling people, teaching people, leadership, being willing to, willing to host people, willing to organize, willing to follow Paul on his probably fairly wild-sounding journeys, um, and then, you know, going to Corinth for a while, cool, 
starting like starting their business. Like they were working. They weren't just, you know, like Paul was on and off working, and then you know he fully devoted himself when uh, when some people came. But you know they were continuously moving the business, and that must have been quite a drag. They were willing to sacrifice, though. They were willing to move around, and Priscilla was willing to put up with all of this because of the all-exceeding glory of Jesus Christ. She was bold. She risked her life for Paul. We don't know how. We don't know what. Um, but there's no, you know, cowardly, safe way to risk your life for someone. Um, so we can we can take that as read that she had a certain boldness. Um, for God and also for God's people. She was resilient, uh, moving around, being kicked out of Rome, being sent to Corinth, and then following Paul, and then going back to Rome. And these, these are descriptions of, of her ministry. And then I realized afterwards that many of these characteristics are shared by mother figures in the church. Um, many of these points are true of the strong mothers around us. And so, as we learn from Priscilla, and as we look at her life and her mission and her ministry, and we realize, man, she was committed to God, and she has a lot to teach us, we can also be inspired by mother figures now, and our modern heroes, so to say, right? Let's not take for granted those around us who have these qualities of leadership, teaching, boldness, willing to sacrifice discipleship and resilience that we see in Priscilla, right? As we see Christ reflected in each of us as believers, we can see these characteristics, especially in our mothers, who have such a special role in church community, in family community. And so for those of us who will never be mothers, um, let us appreciate and let us be deeply grateful for what mothers have sacrificed for us to be here and for what mother figures have done to teach us, to nurture us, to guide us. I mean, this is true for everyone, um, not, just, not just men. But yeah, if you're female, you don't have to be grateful for your mother. That's not how it works. Uh, but especially men. And let us treasure that and honor that. And honor those who will one day be mothers and help them to be the mothers we had, we wished we had, um, and help us to see more of these qualities around us. And for those who will be mothers one day, we pray for you that these qualities will shine through, and we believe that Jesus will bring them out. So yes, to close, let's take the story of Priscilla. And I want to sort of point out that like, this is preached like as a story. It does, like, the fact that she was a woman in ministry, I haven't really emphasized. 
the fact that she was teaching, the fact that she was involved. But that's a whole other sort of topic. But the fact is, simply as a person in the Bible, she is an inspiration. Her story is one of extraordinary courage, motivation, and God-centeredness. And so let's take that away and go home and read about more details of, of her life and what that means for church. And let us appreciate mothers and let us be inspired by those in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for community. Thank you for families. And thank you for mothers and mother figures, whether those are older sisters who have had to just stand up instead, whether it's aunts, whether it's strangers who have taken in a child. And we are, Lord, we just pray for strength. We pray for more of your presence with those mothers, Lord, especially in our church. And we pray for those difficult situations where where mothering is hard, where perhaps mothering is not appreciated, and we pray for, for peace and healing there. And, yeah, we just pray for our church and for each person that comes into contact with our church, that there will be blessing and peace, and these qualities of motherhood will be shared by all of us and that we will be bold, resilient, and willing to sacrifice for you. Yeah, and as men, may we live to honor and respect the women in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.